Hi, dear friends. Thanks for tuning in. If you're listening to this on the day it came out, it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Hope you're having a blessed time with your family and friends celebrating old traditions and creating new ones. I, at this moment, would be in Salem with Krishna and the kids, Maya and Benji and his family, creating some new traditions out there. And this podcast is about Krishna and I's time recently in China. We went there uh, in mid-November for about 10 days or so for a festival, the Atwan Festival, put on a, um, by the Octave Institute, which was all quite new to me, all those things, and China indeed. So we get into that a little fun download decomp discussion about the variety of experiences we had there. Very grateful for that opportunity. So grateful for all the opportunities that I have to travel and teach. It's really wonderful. And I'm just incredibly grateful. Coming up, I've got a yin yoga 200 hour teacher training that I'll be beginning in January, the end of January at my studio here in Boise, Sage Yoga and Wellness. So if you're interested in becoming a yoga teacher, particularly along the lines of yin yoga, restorative yoga, and yoga nidra, you can join us for that. Message me if you want some more details. And I've also got my new meditation studio, Source Meditation Space, opening the month of December. Our big grand opening is going to be December 31st, which I'll be sharing an ecstatic dance to ring in the new year in that space. So sourceboise.com, you can check out all the cool things coming through with this new venture for myself and my partners here in the community. And Yoga Fort, of course, is on the horizon as well. Yoga Fort is the three-day yoga and music festival that's a part of the larger Tree Fort Music Fest here in Boise in March. So planning is underway for all of that. Where tickets just went on sale and we had our first announce of teachers. We're bringing Micheline Berry back, who's one of my personal favorite teachers who I feel like I learned so much from and get so much out of her classes and who she is and her teaching style and her authenticity and her energy. So she'll be here for Yoga Fort as well as old friends Masood Ali Khan on the hung drum and Sheila Bringy on all the things that she plays, flutes and harmonium and harp and voice of course and Brent's her partner and Clinton's coming back and Oliwa will be here as well, who for the first time, who's a uh, DJ, an electronic music DJ, musician, East Forest, obviously he'll be here with us as well. I'm sure we'll do a class together again. We're not going to have Tony G back this year, but Tony's coming to Boise in January, the weekend of like... January 17th-ish that weekend. He'll be here leading a three-day teaching at my studio at Sage. I think it might be full, but if you want to get on the wait list, let me know. And gosh, then I'll be going to Australia in February, early February, to teach at a studio um, there in her space right outside of Sydney. So if you're in Australia, you can find myself there and then East Forest will have a tour too through Australia in February. And um, yeah, that's kind of it off the top of my head. Lots of wonderful opportunities coming up to learn and teach and grow. So grateful for all of them. So grateful for all of you. 
And we'll just get right into this conversation with myself and East Forest about our time that we just had in China. Blessings again on Thanksgiving or whenever you're listening to this podcast. Mm, breathe it into your heart. Feel that big love beam coming right at you. So we wanted to do a debrief on the trip to China because just got back and these things can be fresh in your head. And there are many things that were, as we called them, high weirdness. Yeah. want to, and just, it's, it's such an interesting experience. So let's dive in. Let's dive in. I was thinking about the phrase we've been using high weirdness. I well, wanted to clarify. It, it's not in the sense of like highbrow in any way. No, it's um, Eric Davis's phrase. Oh, so let's tell give me. credit where credit is due. What is Eric? That was his book, I believe. Oh, recently. That's why it's in my head. It's just a cool phrase, and it's totally his. Okay, okay. Yeah. Thanks for that context. Yeah. When I th- think of high weirdness, I think of the word high as like a lot. Ah. And he's using it as high, like altered state. I think so. Okay. But what I, I I'm just mean that it was such a different place culturally and people had told me before i went uh, folks that had been some people had said hey you know it's it might be like in some ways the most different in the sense that it's got a lot of things that are the same mm-hmm. but then there's about contradictions and that's where it kind of catches you and you're like wow that's weird in a sense that that's different than how we do it yes and it will stick out <laughs> um like eating chopsticks with spaghetti Eating spaghetti yeah, with chopsticks? Right. Yeah, spaghetti uh, meat sauce, which is an interesting meat sauce we often discovered, was on a lot of menus. If you went to a Western, quote unquote, restaurant. Or they'd throw it in as like the token Western thing. Mm-hmm. And nonetheless, eating with chopsticks actually made a lot of sense. You it liked kinda, it. It worked. You were like, look at how good I am at this. But, you said I'm better at this than that Asian woman over there who's trying to eat her spaghetti with a fork. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I thought it, yeah, it was funny. It she worked. was eating spaghetti with a fork and you were going at it with your chopsticks. Well, let's just zoom out for a second. Um, China, for myself, was not a place that was on my radar personally that I had wanted to travel to or had plans to. And of course, the universe is like, you're going to China. You know, and I got an opportunity to play there. And you got an opportunity to come along and teach. So I don't know about you, but I was curious and eyes wide open, but I didn't have like this long lifetime of thoughts about, oh, you know, this is what I want out of China. This is what's going to be. I really just didn't know Have much. you thought that about other places? Yeah, sure. Like, like where? Like going to Iceland or okay. Europe um, or anywhere, Canada or wherever. Canada. Canada was on your <laughs> list before China. I just mean as as places as far as like I'm speaking about um like to play in and stuff and okay I don't know I guess to go to personally I never thought about like vacationing in China no it's huge too right uh, do you think some of that has to do with our our cultural conditioning around China definitely yeah and that, when we were talking to uh, Fred Fred was the the billionaire who, who runs the whole uh, festival rat that was called the At One Festival in outside Shanghai in Shuzhou. I can't believe I'm not Shuzhou. saying it right. He <laughs> said to me once, he's like, he's like, yeah, China's not as scary as they make it on TV. Yeah, it's and, not the same and as And nowhere CNN. is, right? And it's true. Um, there's 
the world is full of good people and China has a billion people and everyone we met was just full of amazing hospitality and goodness. They were very kind to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. And patient. And totally patient. Yeah. Cool people. Uh, so let's just kind of like maybe go through the experience a little bit. I just mm-hmm. want to talk about some of what it was like to be there and to smell it and to hear it and to, yeah. to taste and so, China. As you were saying, you weren't you weren't seeking to play in China, but the opportunity presented itself through a friend's last year to come Dustin to this Deperna. same festival. It was the inaugural at one festival where it didn't work out last year, but then again, um, they reached out for you to be a part of the second year. Well, you were a part of the first year because they did the yeah, thing. Yeah, let's you, go back in time. Um, Skyped in. So shout out to Dustin. He's on a previous podcast, East Forest Lease podcast episode. Yeah, he, I don't know how he got linked into these guys, but he's a meditation teacher. Yeah. And so he's been going out and teaching meditation and he was doing, uh, working with his group and he introduced me and they wanted me to come out last year. And it was sort of last minute. So I couldn't make it happen. But they said, why don't you Skype in and we'll play your music on the same stage we we're on this year? Yeah. Which and, we had no context for visually what that meant or where it was going to be or how it was going to look. Yeah, well, I really had no context last mm-hmm. year. I was just like, what am I doing? So I'm Okay, so we Skyped in. I remember I just finished playing a show in Denver and I was in their back apartment and it was like 11 p.m. was when I had to be on Skype. And I remember logging in, just being, it was snowing outside. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, I don't know, it was a weird, like lonely experience that I was in this space and the screen comes on and they're like, okay, in three minutes, <laughs> it's kind of in broken English. In three minutes, you're going to introduce your song and then we're going to play it. And I was like, okay, okay, stand by, stand by. <laughs> and then um, they showed me, a, it was like flip the screen to like the stage and yeah. there must've been a, I don't know, 70, 50 foot screen. <laughs> the same stage as la- this year? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So it's probably like 50 feet tall, these three sections. Yeah, like three-ring circus style. Three-ring circus style is a good way to describe it. Yeah, and all of a sudden, they go, go, and I wasn't, I remember I introduced this song. What song? Ten Laws. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, thank you. And they, went, and they quit. Quit the Skype. It was just, <laughs> that was it. I, was like, I had no idea. It's like, what was that? It was the strangest thing ever. And that was it. That was like the totality of my experience last year. And I didn't even know like if it worked or anything. Fast forward to this year, they had a little more uh, advanced notice and we worked it out and we flew out. And let's start, let's start with that. Okay. I was nervous about the flight because it's been a long time since I crossed Pacific. It's a long flight. It's like 12 and a half hours out from Seattle. And um, turns out the flight was pretty awesome. You slept a lot of it. <laughs> I watched four movies. I watched, uh, I got a lot of Russian history. I watched the one on Gorbachev and the one on the like five yeah, Russian hockey players. It was players. not that bad. It was shout out to Delta. Yeah. Good and, premiere class. Yeah. Up the class a bit. But we we get there and it was nighttime and we had to drive a couple hours. They picked us up and they take us there. And then we're met there by a whole coterie of people at night. And I'm just like, where are we? And they take us to this apartment on the campus, they have a super modern campus and the apartment was super nice. So Suzhou is two hours outside of Shanghai, which is 24 million people in Shanghai. Something like that. Then we drove outside of the city and it's interesting driving, when you're driving, when we went in and out of Shanghai, we would drive for literally an hour, a portion of it would be 
high rises in both directions as far as you can see for housing for like an hour through this landscape and a lot of construction going on high rise after high rise after high rise we didn't see that that night because it was dark but we got to this campus and think we kind of describe it as like 1440 multiversity meets omega it's like a a wellness multi-facility campus yeah they had they had condos and apartments and then facilities and rooms hotel and spa yeah, kitchen it, it was the nicest um retreat center i've ever seen as far Definitely. as the architecture it's all modern it's all new a couple mm-hmm. years old it was stunningly well built and the, every piece of furniture high-end, beautiful. It had this incredible modern Zen vibe. So hyper-modern space that we're dropped into. On the on a, on the, a body of water. On a lake mm-hmm. outside Shanghai. Yeah, it's in the uh, industrial complex of Suzhou. So anyway, we get there and um, I believe we slept, which is kind of interesting because of course it's a 15-hour difference We in did. Time. We were on the like, let's not get too jet-lagged game plan. Oh, right. Plan. Stay up so we could sleep. Right. Yeah. And we get up and uh, we don't really know much about where we're supposed to be except that I had a rehearsal that day on Thursday. But they said they'd come get us for breakfast because it was too difficult to explain in the dark <laughs> where to go when we first got there. So they sent a little, they call them buggy, go, go, golf, golf carts. Cart. Yeah. Uh, buggy got us in the morning and brought us to their at one hotel, which has a high end restaurant. And it's kind of like a prefix menu where they just feed you what it's going to be. Yeah, and I had two. They gave me two eggs in a bowl that were literally just like the egg yolk raw. They just cracked I poked the egg. them and they blew up, and that they, was it. Like sucked down some <laughs> egg yolks bowl with some chopsticks. With chopsticks, it was you know healthy breakfast and pickled things. Yeah, it was, it was fancy. You know, it was fan- super fancy Chinese food, basically. It was interesting seeing you try to eat that egg yolk because that's not how you like to do things. No, no. But we do a rehearsal and all this stuff, and you and I are commenting the whole time that. We just never really quite knew, like, you know, what's so what's the, the program or is there a map of this place? We never were very. No one gave informed. us a program. No one gave us a map. No one gave us a welcome letter or like the itinerary. And there was apparently a WeChat for all the performers, but we don't have well, WeChat. This is, this is what we discovered. And so we were out of the loop the whole time. Everything, and I mean everything, is either through a QR code and or WeChat, which is their main app of apps it's them like megalomania of like facebook meets instagram meets text messaging and your email meets apple pay yeah and so you pay for everything with wechat like everywhere and everywhere and it's cashless society you chat through wechat anyway so we didn't know that i guess that was the way to find out anything and everything and you can't just sign up for wechat either you can't just download it and have it on your phone you can't activate it in the system where somebody who's already on wechat has to approve your friendship through it but they can't do that more than once per six months and if they are new to mainland china they can't do it if they're international they can do it it's within a month like right surrounded by rules we were like vip guests who knew nothing yeah Yeah. (laughs) we constantly (laughs) someone would say something like oh did you see there's this amazing calligraphy session we're like where what where's that (laughs) like oh it's in the this other bungalow right What's what's a bungalow? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So we're just kind of roaming around trying to figure out where we're supposed to be and when. And and uh, truthfully, the the language barrier was bigger than I thought it would be. Did you find that to be true? Yes. Because it's not like French or something or any language that were typical to that have sort of 
connection, connective tissue in its past where it's, oh, the, the restaurant's the same word. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of poke around. This is like a different planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did not understand anything. It wasn't even like, oh, I got the gist of that. And when I would say words like yes and no, they there are many people who just staring at me as if I said, who, they had no idea what I was saying. No idea. We were trying our best to say hi and to say thank you. Thank you became a kind of comical between us because we said it a lot. <laughs> we attempted to say it a lot. She is she. She is she. It was often met with totally blank faces. Yeah, like we don't even and know they, what you're saying. Yes. I yeah. was like, this would be the point where I would say thank you. So I think you know. Uh-huh. We were using Google Translate, but offline. And uh, that was a savior because yeah, you could type helpful. things in and it, when you can hold it up to like a taxi cab driver or something with an address. Because even like an address, I can't write the address in English. I have to take the address in English, copy it into Google Translate, translate to Chinese, and then show him that mm-hmm. or her. So speaking of the, the great firewall of China, Google, Google Translate worked. Because we downloaded it. Yeah. Nothing else Google worked. Uh, you couldn't really access things like Facebook and Instagram. Well, you couldn't at all. No Facebook, no Instagram. Well, certainly no Gmail. no Gmail. I thought my email would No work. Google Docs. No yeah. Google no Search. Maps. No Google Maps. No, no Google, Google Maps. No Voxer. It's no lots of things. Yeah. I mean, we would. they had a TV in the room and I wanted to, because there's about, I don't even know, over a dozen state TV channels I wanted to check out. But then they had maybe six other channels. They had HBO, CNN, BBC, uh, National Geographic, and something else. But MTV. Oh, yeah. MTV. <laughs> but it was Chinese, Chinese MTV. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> but when we were watching CNN, um, like the Hong Kong protests, a lot of stories going on about that. But every time a story would come on of any kind of importance, the screen just went black. And it would stay black for minutes on end until just they decided, I guess, some sensor that it could come back on it. No announcement, no thing on the screen, just goes just black, black, like the TV goes off. And I did not, ex- I, I knew we needed things like a VPN to get around a lot of this, at least on our phones, but it was, it, it was harder than I thought it would be. Like I was trying to do some mastering for the reworks and uh, with uh, Slow Meadow was sending me stuff. And I was like, well, I can't use Drive to send them stuff. I couldn't access uh, WeTransfer. But Dropbox, then I fi- right? Dropbox wasn't working. So I had to, it was just like things I take for granted here is just like day-to-day ways of passing information. None. I had to just rethink those basics and it really slowed us down. On We took like a, a Google detox in a sense. Oh, for sure. And not realizing how full that is in our lives. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the midst of opening a new business and have two partners and we're, we were talking back and forth about lots and lots of things. And they basically didn't hear from me for a week. Yeah. You were even more dropped out than, than me because I was able to use my cell phone on like cell phone data a little bit. Yeah. You got on a hot spot. And I could trickle into certain things, but still there's the firewall was incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Anyway, um, we use that a lot to to try to communicate, and uh, there were a lot of interesting experiences at the the festival. I played the opening and closing ceremony, or parts of it, and I was supposed to do a ceremony concert. But can I just describe? I love the opening ceremony and the closing <laughs> ceremony. They had what they called a narrative 
for the opening and closing. There was this woman, Esther, who's sort of the organizer of the festival. Totally, yeah. Fred, who was the CEO and, you know, the, like, the big decision maker of how he wants things to be. And talking about the opening ceremony with you, it was, does, has he seen the narrative? Has he read the narrative? Show him the I narrative. It was written out <laughs> like a play with three different acts. And it was based on like Taoist philosophy of the heaven and universe meeting the earth. Coming yeah, into- it was all broad things. Like it never it wasn't specific, right? Like, oh my gosh, I feel like I should go grab I, it. I wish we had it. I have it somewhere. Well, point is it was uh they did hand it to me because fred was like you need it it's all about the narrative it's I, mean, all about he said, the I didn't narrative. want to explain it to you just read the narrative it's like okay i read the narrative and it said east forest is will the play sound the universe of or the something universe. is the sound of the universe <laughs> i was like all right i'll uh do the sound of the universe and uh and then the next act was these modern dancers who are maybe like the element of heaven coming down to earth and the next act was like Chinese Burning Man style poi fire spinners representing the element of earth, followed by uh, traditional Shaolin monk um, acrobatic performance that was like man and with their drumming and really grounded energy, followed Mm. by East Forest again, capping it off, sinking back all together. It's like an hour long performance or more. As the only gringo up there. Oh, for sure. (laughs) With like big TV cameras too. It was all being filmed. Yeah, the crane cameras. And, uh, high production it was interesting and again what would strike me again and again was the contradictions yes the cultural contradictions and how for me something was unusual i'm sure it's normal for them but they'll just swing from one thing to another no big deal you know? and then it happened that happened with your yoga class yeah of yep i taught yoga on saturday afternoon and uh, we knew, I thought for some reason we were supposed to be there at four. This is again, that we were confused and kind of out of the loop. Apparently it was 4.30 to 5.30, but it had a window and it looked like it was still six, the way it was all blocked Couldn't out. Couldn't read the schedule. Couldn't know. read Couldn't the schedule. And there wasn't a stage manager who was directing anything. And we were on this big main stage. So There's just the sound guy who, when we got there, had asleep. his head down on the board <laughs> sleeping. He spoke zero English. Like, and he was the kind of guy, like I would type into the trans, like I need four direct boxes. And he just kind of stare at me. And I was like, uh, I really need these, you know, to play. And, <laughs> and he would just kind of say stuff in Chinese and walk off. I was like, and you say, is he going to get it? I don't know. I don't know. I did. I'm going to just stand here and wait. Maybe they'll show him up with those. I don't know. And they did. They didn't have the DI boxes when we got there. For they the- had nothing. Yeah. That, yeah. What, that you'd ask for at a time. They need it. Yeah. But then they got it. They got everything. They were great. And, uh, but, but your class, I played music yeah. for your class. He played like he class. does. And we, I love it when he plays for me. We've done it many, many times and different styles of class. And I knew with this, it would be an audience, obviously, that I don't know and they don't know me. And so I wanted to keep it very accessible and kind of a slow flow, really um, adaptable to anybody and trying to get them to go deep at the same time and connect to the music. And there was maybe when I started, there was two people out there. Yeah. It was, it was uh, dismal at first. <laughs> I was dismal. like hanging there. The people would show up. <laughs> and then by, by the time I got going, there was maybe, maybe 30 at its peak, but we were in this amphitheater down low with this, you know, rows of um, seating steps all around. And there was probably a hundred people watching and we were, there was a big screen behind us too. But the class was wonderful. And 
we we didn't weren't quite quite clear. Like I said, do we end at five thirty or six? But there's nothing after us because there's nothing on the schedule after us as far as we could see anywhere. So I felt kind of confident with some looseness in it, and it got to be about you know, 5.30s there and we're in Shavasana and I wanted to give them like at least 10 minutes of a nice East Forest sound experience, but I was taking them through a progressive muscle relaxation from their feet to their head while going out to the audience and giving some Shavasana massages and getting them even further into the space. And I was out there in the crowd with my hands, I was squatting down, my hands on a man's feet and a woman comes up to me really quickly and squats down and she says, when are you finished? When are you finished? Yeah. I saw her. You you were off. I saw some come up to whisper in your ear and I thought, you know, what's the problem? What's doing you? You know, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know either. And I said, well, I, soon, kind of, I guess. And then I, but I finished that with him and then kept guiding them through to finish that experience and then got back to the stage and, you know, you have to wrap it up and bring them back out. You can't just end. So it took us a minute or few to bring them back out and have our final close. And the very second that we finished, a DJ set started on top of us on the same stage. Yeah, I, I, you finished and I ended with, um, I remember I was playing this uh, field recording. What was these, the field recording? Of uh, these, <laughs> these wind chimes and frogs from an ayahuasca ceremony. I mean, a very, it's a really potent, deep, subtle, you know what I mean? Sound. Yeah. Almost like, wow, should we, are we, are we, are we open enough to feel this? Yes, we are. <laughs> so let's go. We do it. And like, oh, there it is. Oh, wow. It was so, and it they were close down and it's now dark and thank you very much. Namaste. And then all of a sudden, the, the, I took a recording over here. To, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. The this loudest DJ in your the life. The seconds we finished, they did this on top of the folks. We had just shavasana She snuck up and sat up behind me. It was so offensive. Here it goes. And I swear to God, when it dropped, it said, fuck you. <laughs> and it was the loudest thing. <laughs> oh. I, as soon as that happened, I had to shove my ears back in because literally it was so loud. <laughs> That I was just like it was the loudest music I'd ever heard. I'd my- never, yeah, I'd never heard music. It was an assault. I mean, I, not a sound only was assault. it very aggressive music, but it was, yeah, it was the loudest I've ever heard like music. Period. <laughs> and they often did that on the stage. It was always very loud. So anyway, that I was felt shocking. so bad for everyone because they were so open. Yeah, but it was so weird. Like a whole open. group of Chinese girls came down. And were like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they've been waiting for this DJ. I guess everybody else knew she was about to start. Yeah, she must be. And she had in like Shanghai. an instant little crowd around her. They were so stoked yeah, it for was, it. It was another contradiction of programming but um you did a great class (laughs) thank you i felt really good about it and then i felt so bad yeah it was it was a shock and then there was the wedding band after you yeah like a 12 piece wedding band that that wanted to set up as quickly as possible on top of you breaking down which i guess is kind of against etiquette typically for well there are a lot of quick changeovers and that was i don't know i mean that was that was a thing you know when i when i was going there I didn't really know what I was going to be doing. Yeah. You know, I, uh, and I, I had to just sort of roll with that. I wasn't sure. It was challenging to rehearse and prepare in a sense. Cause like, I don't know. Um, 
am I doing like a concert or is it like a ceremony or is it a talk, a meditation or, you know, so I, and it turns out we were doing a lot of different things over different days. Uh, and you just have to have that attitude, I suppose, of, of just rolling with it. Mm-hmm. And, and being of service the best yeah. you can. And the stage was outdoors too. There was mm-hmm. no cover on it. And um, the weather was good. So for the last day, it was cloudy. And it said it was 40% chance of rain later in the day. I was looking at that and I was like, I don't know, man. This looks like it's going to rain. And you were part of the closing ceremony too. Which was a big deal for them. So it's like that was seemed to be the most important thing. So it was like... They, they had another three acts to it. Yeah. Wrapping and sure up. enough, I'm up there doing it and I felt some little drops. And as soon as I finished the song, I went off stage and I said to uh, someone, I said, I need a tarp or something. And I think she said, like, it's, it's fine, it's just a little bit. And I said, no, it's really important that I don't have any water. Part of the setup, too, is they didn't want you to break down. It wasn't like breakdown changeover. They wanted like this little uh, yeah. movement and as much stillness on the stage as possible through transition. Yeah. So they weren't into the idea of you breaking down. Which I get. Um mm-hmm. But it was stressful for me because, I don't know, I was just sensing like this is a really big problem. And so I actually started, I, I just pulled the rug myself to the edge of the stage while the other stuff was going on and started breaking down. I just broke everything down. And literally within 30 seconds after I zipped the suitcase closed, it started dumping. A huge downpour. I mean, dumping. It would have destroyed everything, let alone the opportunity for electrocution. Uh, that was shocking to me i've never had something that close call like that and punu at that moment punu wasu he's a indian teacher meditation teacher kirtan musician he was playing in that moment with his brother and he really brought it because he just was like oh this God. is a blessing yeah. stop running away Come i wish and dance. i could do that yeah and he brought the full like Hare krishna dance vibe into it which was wonderful for them they were really happy for that celebratory moment dance in the ring you were quite upset about the rain and the- well, it, was, it scared me. It's such a close call. And I didn't have any support there to like, you know, all I needed was a tarp or a cover over the stage, which is typically something I require. But like, again, I just had to, I didn't know. I just had to show up and be like, and a lot of that was lost in translation, I think, where um, <laughs> I saw when I first showed up, my writer was there and someone said like, I can't translate this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, okay, uh, I need power. <laughs> <laughs> extension uh, cords yeah i was getting real basic there but let's let's talk about some of the other things uh, about china because we went to shanghai one day and we went to suzhou too i just want to like drop in a little bit to like outside the festival mm-hmm. itself before the festival started we did a little trip into shuzhou to i think it was the ping cheng district along the water and we found that spot where we were really the only westerner westerners i think we saw i mean most of it was chinese for sure an old mm-hmm. um, district along the water that had a lot of the older architecture and buildings, the canal. And the canal with the boats, and that was really nice to get out. And we ended up going to the Lion Forest Garden, which wasn't really in any of the guidebooks. Like I didn't know about it ahead of time. Yeah, it wasn't there was like a destination. A sign pointing to it. Yeah, there was a sign. I was like, I feel like we should go check that out. Let's do that. So we wandered into that. And it was one of the coolest places I think I've ever been in my whole life. Yeah, it had these tunnels and mazes, labyrinth-ish style, but built out of these porous uh, rocks. 
coarse rock sculptures. That I'd never seen anything quite like them. That you're just kind of, they would literally zigzag and weave up and down little stairs and down underground. It was a maze, actually. It was totally a maze, but inside uh, a traditional Chinese garden. So it's stunningly beautiful. Mm -hmm. But then you're in this sort of playful maze made out of porous rock. Yes. It's quite, it's beautiful and unusual, unique, meditative. Super unique. And again, confusing like what is this <laughs> you know where are we how and did how there, we get into this yeah there were so many chinese there we were again the only westerners and they, they were every, all of us were just wandering around through these porous maze rock mazes of, of and there was like koi ponds and you're kind of going over them and around them and uh that was super cool that was super cool and yeah so we went into shanghai one day and got a taxi there you complimented the um was Eddie the marketing director for Octave? Yes. Oh, yeah. This guy, Eddie, drops in and I, he had this beautiful linen suit. Mm-hmm. And immediately I said, that's a sharp suit, man. And he says, oh, well, you know, I got this made at a tailor in Shanghai. And I said, what's his name? He says, I'll get the name for you. And he, I was on WeChat at this point. He WeChats me the prisoner's card. And I, I call our WeChat the guy. It just said Jason on it. Turns out that's the name of his business. That's not his name. Jason. I, I thought it was Jason. And I said, look, we're coming to Shanghai tomorrow. Um, I wonder if I well, can stop by. To that point, I thought it was interesting that most of the Chinese that we interacted with, they were called Fred, Esther, Jenny, Don, yeah, Paul, I still don't Steve, understand that. Jason. I know that's not their birth They didn't name. have, quote unquote, Chinese names. They had they had very Western names. And a, that's what they went by. And that's I had what a feeling that them. was for us. Or you have like two names in a way, like a nickname. I don't know. Even their business cards would say Steve or Jenny or Esther. I just don't know. Or Don or Paul. That's what they went by. Fred. When we were talking about Fred, we were like, is Fred Chinese or is Fred Western? Frederick was his name. Yeah. So that, but for all I know, he grew up in England. I don't know. You know what I mean? No, he didn't. He grew up in um, Saigon. Hmm. Saigon? Shanghai, you mean? No, Singapore. Singapore. He grew up in Singapore. Sorry. But that well, was strange, and we don't know the answer to that. But everyone had Western names. A lot of people we met, at least. Yeah. So going back to the suits, and we Jason. did go into Shanghai, and I was texting with this guy, and he said, stop by. I didn't know what to expect. We stopped by, and it's like a building where it's like a garment district where everyone in there is making clothing, custom mm-hmm. clothing. <clears throat> and we walk in, trying to find him. We eventually find his like stall. And uh, it was raining out. It was cold. And uh, I was in. I was a little overwhelmed. And I'm just sort of like, I don't know. Hey, I hear you make suits. I don't know what this costs. I don't know what's involved. I don't know what kind of swindling is going to go down. But he's a very nice guy. He seemed to understand what I was saying. Very sweet man. I don't know his name. Jason. We'll call him Jason. I don't think it is. I want to call him Jason. Okay. He is Jason now. Stall 282. <laughs> And it turns out the suits were like, he makes these gorgeous handmade suits tailored to you. And you just sit there and he's just like, yeah, what kind of fabric you want? <laughs> he hands me a bunch of swatches. Yeah, you did say I was it like, first. like, wait a minute, it's too the many. The first minute you're like, I can't do this. I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm like, calm down. We'll yeah. just take this one piece at a time. And so then you I made picked, three. I, he, said, he said, how many suits do you want? <laughs> I thought I was going to get one. I said, how many? I said, how much are they? And he told me. And I was like, that's not that expensive. I was like, maybe I'll get two. And then he said, uh, summer or winter? Do you need a sport coat? All right, let's throw in a sport coat. <laughs> so we picked out some cool fabrics. And of course, 
the ladies are coming up to you in the shop and you end up getting a beautiful cashmere coat. Custom made. And of course, we get the wheel and deal. We put it all into a package deal. It was great. It was great. So I ended up getting two suits. You were very happy. And he's made them with, he made them in 24 hours mm-hmm. and get this, delivered them to the checkout desk at Delta at the Shanghai airport. We met him at the airport. He handed us the finished product, put it in the luggage and we took off. It's true. It was incredible. That's how it went down. That's a beautiful Chinese hospitality. It was. It really was. like, I know who you are. I will be there. I'll see you. You will get these. And And we discussed it it through WeChat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And then when we were, we spent the day in Shanghai walking around, going to these other cool, I forget the name of that one. Tianfang, I think. Tianfang, that was it. Sort of a shopping district in an old part of the city that was like little alleyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're walking past stalls that have all the weird Chinese food, like the chicken feet and the duck heads and the squids. Squid on a stick. And then other strange shapes of food, candy stuff, type who things. Who knows what it was, yeah. It was more like, don't even stop to like look at it. Yeah, a lot of interesting foods, obviously. And um, we had a lot of dim sum. Mm-hmm. They have lots of uh, soups and rices and, of course, the spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we had a – Shanghai, we slowly were making our way towards uh, the the Bund. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the Bund. Shanghai is this interesting history. I'm kind of the guidebook person where before the communist China – in the early 1900s, Shanghai was in, uh, became a port town through the the one of the British wars. They wanted to open up trade with China, so they did. And so then, Britain and America and France had different sections of town that were ruled only by the laws of those countries. I don't understand that. How that? So it was very like uh, almost like like Old West in the U.S., like a renegade rogue, lots of mob characters, shady stuff, but also very prosperous at the same time. Lots and lots and lots of money. So they call that the buns now, where obviously that's not the case with the rules currently, but there's a lot of the same old architecture, like, you know, a Waldorf Astoria right. Hotel and things like that on the water. Yeah, it's it's hyper-modern really beautiful bustling on that area on the water and the skyline is also like you know dozens and dozens of huge skyscrapers and all of them completely lit up where the entire building is like an an led lcd type screen Mm -hmm. where they can display graphics and they'll have multiple buildings linked together all so sort of like think the buildings as billboards, like Times Square style, but instead of having commercialized things, products coming out, it's just like imagery and flat, like Burning Man style flashiness, yeah, lights, it blinky like shit everywhere. Looking at the playa at night was the Shanghai skyline at night on the water. Massive. Yeah. That was sort of kind of how we ended the night. And we were, someone we had met, this French guy had recommended some spot. We were trying to find it. We didn't find it. We found another spot. It's basically this bar. Uh, with a great view At overlooking this. And that was a great a way to end the night. Building structure overlooking Shanghai. It was called the Pop Bar. So it was like American Pop where you could go. Oh, the, right. the menu was like corn dogs and little sliders <laughs> and French fries. And they had a mural with Don Johnson. Oh, uh, it was Miami Vice. Oh, Miami Tubbs Vice and mural. <laughs> and in the middle was Marilyn Monroe, which doesn't go together at all, but looked great. Yeah. Yeah. So we really only got one 
full day in Shanghai like that. And I guess two days in Suzhou or one day. Two days. Yeah. And the rest of the time we were on the campus outside of Suzhou one at of the, the Sangha Octave. That, um, one of the first days I went for that walk during sunset while you were doing your practice for the opening ceremony. And I came back and I said to you, I remarked how quiet it was that I had gone on this walk right. by myself and no one bothered me. Nobody said yeah. anything. Nobody, it was chill. Nobody no, it was harassed chill. me. And the noise of the city was quite quiet. I was trying to explain to you. I'm like, I think the mopeds are electric. These mopeds would go Indeed, by me. They, they would hear no sounds. Which was great because there's less fumes. Yeah. There was just, a lot of pollution. Like you look in the distance, it, you could see a lot of pollution. But nonetheless, a lot of the uh, cars were electric. Mm-hmm. All of the mopeds were electric. Yep. All of them. Um, so... That, that surprised me. I know China's been making an initiative for electric cars to take over uh, by law there, which is interesting and cool. But it seems like they're actually way ahead than we are on the, in that sense, at least in this city. I, yeah. I don't know what the rest of the country's like. It was but. incredible. And so many people were on mopeds and uh, it seemed like the, the way to get around and not a single noise. Not a single noise. Less than like New York City for sure. Oh, it was, I mean, just so remarkably quiet for a city. The quietest city I'd ever been in. Yeah. The other highlight was the, I think it's the Changyong Temple that was just a few kilometers from where we were staying. We went to a Buddhist temple. Just because it was there. Someone Mm -hmm. said, hey, you know, I mentioned we want to go to a temple and and this this woman, I I think she was Chinese. She said, yeah, you know, there's a one you can walk to just north of here. And it's kind of like on an island. And I looked on Apple Maps worked. Mm-hmm. Apple stuff works. So I looked on Apple Maps and there it was, two kilometers away. So like, hey, let's go. Let's go tomorrow. So we went to uh, that temple and we knew that there was a Kuan Yin there. We'd heard there was a giant Kuan Yin. So that was kind of the the destination that we were headed for. And we were walking in, there's kind of stalls along the outside. And we we're like- Huge boulevard walkways. Mm-hmm. I mean, massive- complex. We walk over to the stalls and I'm like, oh, I think we're supposed to buy some of this incense. Oh, I think mm-hmm. maybe we should get, maybe we're supposed to use these things inside. We didn't know how or where or what. Weren't a lot of people there. No, yeah. we were the only, again, the only Westerners and there wasn't a lot of people there, but we bought these like, uh, I don't know, maybe like six inch round, two foot long sticks of bundles of incense. Yeah. The largest incense I've ever had or seen <laughs> in my life. And then these candles too. And we're like, like, let's just get these Mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens inside. So we get inside and then there's the area where they're like a big pyre. They're putting all the incense with their blessings and prayers and wishes. When in Rome, just follow the other people do. And so we kind of followed their ritual, which seemed like kind of a four direction type thing with the incense. Mm -hmm. But first you do the candle and there's, um, there was a resonance there with like, you know, Catholicism or something, but it made sense. It's they like, did kind of look like Catholic candles. I'm not sure in what the way. candles said, but it was cool. It was in this like pagoda thing where all the candles are. And underneath all the candles was just like a vat of hot molten wax, mm-hmm. like deep, you know, hundreds of gallons of wax. Same thing with the incense, like a big all the a ash. pagoda with all the ash. You just stick yours in there and it's billowing the smoke across the, uh, you know, the we're outside. And then from there, it was, um, you cross a bridge to an island where there's just massive pagoda building. Is that the right word, pagoda? Yeah, I think you can pagoda. use pagoda. I hope that's not Japanese. Um, this no. is my ignorance. <laughs> Beautiful building. And you go in, and what do you see? Well, we entered from the back, right? 
which we didn't know. We were coming into the back of the statue. And so we walk into the back and you look up and as high as you can see, it's just gold, gold. I didn't know we were at the back. Maybe you did. Gold, gold, gold up. And we're, and, we, and then you look to the side and there's maybe like eight inch tall gold Kuan Yin's. And who is Kuan Yin? Kuan Yin is the female Buddha of compassion. She's a version of Avalokiteshvara, who's the Buddha of compassion in Tibetan Buddhism. So this is a Buddhist temple so complex. A Buddhist temple yes. complex. This was the largest. They had many, many very large Buddhist statues that were like 20, 30 feet tall. Yeah, but this Kuan Yin, let's right. stick with this one for a minute. In the walls of the pagoda were like eight inch tall gold standing Kuan Yin's. And there was maybe like a five thousand. thousand. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They're, they're, the whole walls were just e- everywhere. Little e- cubbies of them. Uh, from from floor to ceiling. And the ceiling was probably a hundred feet tall. Or, or more. No, it was more. It was probably like 150. Yeah. So I walk around and then I get around to what's the front. And then I can see the whole front of this Kuan Yin. And I look up and it, my mouth just dropped. It was a hundred and 108 feet tall, bronze, gilded gold, standing tons. Kuan Yin. Leafed entirely in gold. It was the largest statue I've ever seen in my life, aside from the Statue of Liberty. Certainly inside, a, they built this building around it. Yes. In, so it's kind of tight. Yeah, it's you know, tight. It's interesting. And you can't see it at all from the outside. You'd have no idea that this is inside of this pagoda on the water. It was stunning. You know, and, and so that was definitely a jaw dropping moment. And we, and at all of them, you know, you have a moment to, there's pillows to pray in front and give you respects, your mm-hmm. energy. And, and then we just explored more of it. And there just was more and more and more. Yeah. And Nothing so topped that. Going more into the complex, we would go into these other pagodas and then it would be like three giant seated Buddhas and they're maybe like 30 feet tall all next to each other. And then- Each one had its own large building it was in <sighs> that was like, I don't know, man. It was, um, and there's monks who live there and they're mm. walking around and there's a little vegetarian restaurant that we ate at that was like- Everything was an adventure in itself. <laughs> you know, like, and the koi ponds. Oh, right. The, With the most pond. koi we've ever seen in all life. You could feed them and they just went nuts. Yeah, it was like a feeding frenzy of the koi fish, hundreds. But the Buddhas, the, the, the pagodas with the Buddhas, I, it was so unexpected. Part of me, when we saw the Kuan Yin, and I know that was a really powerful moment for you and personal connection, I kind of felt like the whole trip, that was why you were there for you. Mm. Yeah. It was there was epic some kind of like pilgrimage feeling going on. Totally, totally, and I didn't even know she was there. Yeah, it was. It brought you there in a sense. Oh, for sure. And that was that was. I really enjoyed. That was a beautiful day too. You know, there was that day in Shanghai where it was cold and rainy, like really cold, mm-hmm. like fifty. But then some of the other days, it was like seventy-five and yeah. kind of hot. Yeah. So it's kind of an amazing swings and weather, and we were there. I think the whole trip was eight days, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were headquarters at the headquartered at the Sangha retreat the whole time. They let us stay, which was awesome. Past the festival ending, and then it became a ghost town. We were literally the only only people in. We came back the whole that center. night from like Shanghai, and no one was there. Like it was, it was like all the lights were off, like the yes. guide lights on the ground. It was just like this dark complex, and there's one security guard at the the road, mm-hmm. and that was it. <laughs> Everything was off. The next like, morning when we wanted to go to the temple, there wasn't even anybody at the front desk. Nope. Nope, there was not. And the only other thing we did there was like going to the spa. They had a, a super oh, right. fancy 
Uh, Your friend Dustin said you have to saying, get a massage. Yep. You have to so get we a said, massage. Okay, we did. And we, we found the spa center and it was like, again, stunningly modern. And we like, yeah, they gave us this huge menu as they gave us tea. And what do you want to do? And we picked out some massages. I picked the four-handed massage. You picked mm. some traditional massage. It was their rebirth massage, like their classic yeah. massage. And we don't have to go through the whole thing, but I just remember it started with... Um, you take off your shoes and they had like a Tibetan bowl at the beginning of- On a pillar. Yeah. At the beginning of a corridor that was made of like, you know, acrylic. Uh Uh-huh. It's dark. It reminded me of Space Mountain, the hallway in Space Mountain. It was about 200 feet long. I mean, it's weird. Mm -hmm. And you walk down this thing, they they hit the bell and on the walls is like this projected imagery- of solar systems. <laughs> Galaxies and universes. You're walking down this tunnel. The gong is being rung. In front of you is a living wall. There were lots of living walls, mm-hmm. walls of plants. You get down at the bottom, then it's men and women's sides, and we go get changed, and then we meet for the hydrotherapy that they want us to have before we get the massage, and they lay us in these sun chairs that you have a prescribed amount of Sonic time in. sun chairs that would vibrate with speakers in them, and... Uh, yeah, saunas and steam rooms and ice baths and and, all. The, and the walk across the the pebble. Oh yeah, you walk river s- stones, stimulating your feet with hot waters and cold waters and different rocks under your feet and yeah, it was elaborate and just room after room after room. We didn't even do all of it. We didn't. And then we went into the each of our respective massages and did that whole thing and yeah. Um, I, I really like to explore how every culture, most cultures have some form of spa in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm all about when it was the Russian banyas or the Moroccan, uh, uh, what do they call it? Who, who, not, not Hamas. Yeah, Hamam. I'm thinking Hamas. <laughs> it is an Hamas. H word though. Hamam. I know. I just kept thinking Hamas in my mind. I'm like, that's definitely not it. Hamam. <laughs> like hummus. But, yeah, exactly. And their hummus. In the Turkish bath. I like to appreciate hummus in every culture. <laughs> um, I went to Russia. I and like, we went to Mexico last year on vacation. We went to the different uh, everywhere. geothermals. Basically, we if do they have a hot over. spring, take me there. Yeah. If they don't have that, show me what the traditional uh, water steam spa thing is in this culture. Because there usually is some form of it. Yeah. And as part of a massage, the different. traditional aspect was they wash your feet beforehand. Yeah. Which was sweet. Mm-hmm. It was very sweet. Uh, with some salt or something. Yeah, it was like an Epsom salt foot scrub. Yeah. So, you know, we just wanted to share with you and talk about the trip because even for you and I, like, we haven't had a whole lot of time to process. We've just kind of been diving back into life the past mm-hmm. couple of days and experiencing jet lag. And and I didn't want it to just completely fade away. And anytime you go somewhere for your first time, it's a sweetness to the openness of your eyes and look i'm sure that's what they feel perhaps some uh, chinese folks when they come out to america and we only got a small slice of it just like if they came to one particular city here but it was a very positive experience it was overall and they were so lovely and so kind and they really tried to treat us very well there was that moment we were trying to get information too we were like we're presenters like can we have a program? That was kind of the question we were asking. Yeah, where do we go? What and do we the, do? And the woman said, oh, we know you are very famous. <laughs> you are very famous. 
And he's like, yeah, beyond that, can I get like a name badge? (laughs) Yeah. Do we need credentials or something? (laughs) She's like, oh, no, you're very famous. But we did need credentials. We kept walking into the rest. They had one restaurant. We kept walking in thinking, and and it turns out like we were not supposed to be there. We were not, you know, there was no free food, but we kept getting food as if it was free and they kept allowing us to. And I think they must have thought we were like these big assholes. We just like waltz in and start eating from the buffet and just leave. And I was like, I thought that we were, I, we were, there was many, many times that things were lost in translation. Yeah, because they would just times. say pretty much the everything. food in the marketplace. They would say, oh. you go down there, it's included or whatever. You go down and like, no, it's not actually. <laughs> like, Well, it was, it was just over there and not here. It was like a bat. Anyway, there were many times where <laughs> I thought I understood and they did and we both did not understand each other. Oh, another favorite moment too was you wanted to sell some merch and they had a marketplace with like, you know, regular style white tent. Tables. Tables. People are selling their crafts and their wares and their whatnot and we wanted to have a booth. So they're very gracious and set them up with a spot and everybody has their sign over the booth in Chinese. And so I took out my Google Translate to see what the sign is over East Forest, because it was, he took over somebody's booth that was already there and it just said fingertips. That was the translation. Which turned out to be (laughs) uh, guys who played hang drum (laughs) with their fingertips, apparently. Fingertips. Yeah, Yeah, there was a lot of uh, just funny little moments of translation like that. Can't, you can't avoid it. No. And um, that was like when uh, the front desk girl, the concierge, she's probably like in her 20s. And she hooked up with, with our cab to go into Shanghai, which, of course, thought we had it dialed. She was sending us to a different place. <laughs> Once the guy drops off, I was like, this is not where we want to go. And I t- wrote back to uh, somebody about like something about this. Well, him, he was going to wait for us and take us back. Oh, yeah. And his response on we- the WeChat was, are you in touch with the little girl? And I, from like, the hotel. and I finally put it together and he's like, oh, he's talking about the girl, the woman at the concierge. <laughs> am I in touch with the little girl? Sadly, I had to say, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I was like, let's keep it clear. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, um, that was that. Hope to go back and I don't know. Is there anything else you want to We met lots of really great people at the At One Festival. I think you could probably look it up at onefestival.com. Mm-hmm. I'll just Google it. It's on Google, even though it's not supposed to be. I don't know how that works. Um, but it was, uh, I'm grateful. It's a wonderful experience. And I really enjoyed being in China with you. Shishi. Um, we'll end that with Ni hao. <laughs> That's hello. That's all I know. 